church, that, that phrase right there, I am a Christian, can mean so many things to, to different people. And if you were to poll people like we talked about last week out in the, uh, our city or our town, our culture out there who aren't themselves Christians, you might get a wide variety of answers, a number of which that may not be super flattering. Um, it, we'd get a real cross-section of definitions. And then when it comes to for those of us that are Christians, uh, what, what does it actually mean? When we say those words, I am a, a Christian, uh, what, what should it mean? And so we're spending a, a couple of weeks looking through the scriptures and considering what it really should mean, kind of raising the bar and, and, and revisiting this concept that God had in mind so that we're really actually living out uh, the, the, the true meaning of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I, I got to say today, this one is so foundational um, when you call yourself a follower of Jesus, I, I believe that, that more than anything else, what you're saying is, I am now going to love others the way that God loved me. Let that soak in for just a second. I, I think the true mark of a Christian is one who loves others with the same love that God has for you. Now, that's an incredibly high standard to love in that capacity. Um, I, I love uh, Mountain Dew. Uh, and I have any Mountain Dew fans? This is, this right here is the nectar of God Almighty. It is fashioned from sugar and angels' tears and the dreams of infants. And it is just the most spectacular gift that that God has given to mankind. I love Mountain Dew. I don't love what it does to me, but I love the taste. It's fantastic. Um, maybe other than Mountain Dew, I love um, body surfing. is one of my, my favorite activities. Um, when, when, you, when you get into body surfing, um, if you've ever tried it, it is spectacular. I, I can't even describe it. I like surfing, but I love body surfing. Um, I've been doing it since I was four years old. That isn't me, by the way. It's some other <laughs> bald guy. Um, I am not that muscular and not that tan underneath here. So, But I love body surfing. Uh, there's just nothing like it uh, to me. Um, but when I shift gears and go a little bit deeper into the, the things that I love, just like you, uh, it's impossible for me to get past my, my kids um, I love my, my children, and I love them with every fiber of my being. They are such precious gifts to me. Um, Leilani, my, my little girl now, it, it, she'll just say things that are so disgustingly cute that I will start to weep. We'll just be in Target, and she'll say something, and Anna will look over, and tears are coming down. Why are you crying? It's just, she's so cute. It's killing me. I love my kids, um, but I, I love my, my family. I love my, my wife. I, I love my daughter. I love my mom, and I love my grandmother. Um, those are the, the ladies in my life. I love them. But I will tell you right now that I love my wife, Anna, way more than I love Mountain Dew. I, I'm not just saying that because she's sitting in the service because she's not right now, but she will be later. And so I'm practicing. I'm making sure. But that is the truth of the matter. Um, I, I really, really enjoy Mountain Dew. I, and yet it's not nearly at the degree 
that I love my wife. And this is where the English language starts to fail us because we say that we love an awful lot of things. And when we start to consider what does it actually look like for us to love others the way that God loves us, I believe we're talking about a whole different category of love. We're we're talking about loving at a caliber that is exclusive to God and to his people. The the Greeks gave us a wide variety of words for love. Uh, They had at least four words for love. There was one that referred to romantic love. There was another that referred to friendship, affection sort of love. There was another that expressed love that you might have for family members. But then they had one word in the Greek called agape love. And agape love was, was unconditional love. It was It was a love that was born of God, and it was a love that was poured out by God, and and that people of God would receive. It was for all. Some are going to experience it, and it's going to change everything about the way that they now love other people. Agape love, really by definition, is a sacrificial love. It's a love that has the benefit of the other one in mind always and with a disregard for whatever it may get in return. It loves even if it's not going to get loved back. It loves even if it's going to be rejected. It will keep on loving. It will love people that are unlovable. It's a love that leaps over walls that would stop all other loves cold. That's agape love. And that's the love that I want us to consider because that's the love that God calls his people to exhibit. It's also the love that he's given to every single one of us. And so if you say, I am a Christian, if you're in this room and you say that, if you're watching online at home or something and you say, I'm a Christian, then then what does that mean to love people the way that God loves people? It is to love them with an agape love. In 1 John chapter 4, we get this line here. It says, dear friends, let us love one another, agape one another, for love, agape love, comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And so the source, the source of agape love is God himself And then he calls us now to love other people with that same sort of self-sacrificing, I got you in mind regardless of what you do back to me sort of love. This is a hard love. This is a a high bar for love, right? In in 1 John chapter 3, in verses 16 through 18, it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. In other words, you want to get a snapshot of agape love, then you only have to look to Jesus. Jesus is the one that modeled for us agape love. And what was the best model for it? It was self-sacrifice. It was to lay his life down on the behalf of other people. That's a huge love. It says, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the agape of God be in that person? 
Dear children, let us not agape with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And so you should be able to tell as Christians that that sort of love is in us because I will love you with the same love that God has for me. And then famous John chapter 13, verse 35, it says this is how we're going to be able to tell Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my my disciples if you love one another. But at face value, you'd go, well, I'm not really sure if it is just love in a worldly sense or love as the world gives, then that really wouldn't set us off much different, would it? People wouldn't be able to tell that we're disciples because we're not really loving differently than they are. And so this agape love is is huge for us to understand. It's a big deal for us to consider when God says love one another the way that I've loved you. When God says to agape people, what's that actually mean? What's that actually look like? We're called to agape the family of God. We're called to agape our enemies. We're called to agape, if we're husbands, our wives. We're called to agape God and others as a summary of all the commandments of the scripture. Somebody asked Jesus, can you boil this down? What's the greatest commandment? And he said, love God with everything that you've got. Agape God with everything that you've got. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Agape other people. This is the mark of a Christian. And so us understanding what the agape is all about is, is huge. Um, are you familiar with the, uh, the Acura NSX? Uh, oh, this is a wonderful car. You've got to look at it. Okay, this is... I mean, I don't want to make anybody stumble here in the service this morning, but that is, other than Mountain Dew, God made someone who made this. This speaks of the glory of Almighty God right here, the creativity and the passion and all that he enjoys about life. We are supposed to experience seated in the driver's seat of that car. It's beautiful. But that's the Acura NSX. It's beautiful to look at, and I'm, I'm sure it would be beautiful to drive. It's never going to happen in my lifetime, but I dream about it. I actually, you think I'm joking, I actually had a dream. It was one of those horrible ones. You know, like when you're in elementary school, and, and, and you have that girl, the girl that you like in your class or whatever, and then you, you have the dream that she talked to you, and then you wake up, and you oh, that was just a dream. I'm still a loser. And then it's awful. But this, this is the same. I, I had this dream that I got to drive that. And then I woke up and nope, it's, uh, we don't, I have a minivan and that's, that's it. So, but the Acura NSX, if you go through this car and, and you begin to, to look at the suspension in this car, it's magical. And it's all-wheel drive, which means it could work in Prescott in the snow. See, it's sensible, too. And then it's, it's a... I'm not, I'm not doing any favors for the, 
for the guys in here that you've been trying this tool and I'm totally blowing it for you here, but this thing is fantastic. It's got a kind of a hybrid sort of engine. It's gas and electric, so it's good for the environment too. It has 573 horsepower. Oh, this is so good. But the Acuras NSX is a sum total of all these different pieces and elements that go into making it up that then is wrapped in this beautiful design. Now, if you begin to remove certain elements, if we took the engine out of it and put something else in, it's no longer an Acura NSX. It's a Honda Civic. No offense for half of you that drive those. But it's not the same. If you monkey with the suspension, it's not the same. If you change the design, it's not the same. In our culture today, there's this phrase going around that says, love is love. Basically reducing it to the bottom most rung of the ladder saying, whatever your definition of love is, that's what love is. I could not disagree more. Because God's love is in a category all by itself. And he has called Christians to love at the capacity and the type of love that, that he loves. And so there's a passage in Scripture that, that, that unpacks the love of God. Because if the love of God is the accurate NSX, then what are the components that make it up? So that when we say God loves us this way, what, what, what does that mean? And when we hear, I'm supposed to love others the way that he loves me, what's that actually mean? As a Christian, what does that look like? And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul's been addressing the, the believers in Corinth, and he's been trying to, to solve some problems in the church. Uh, the church had, had, had blossomed, and then it's being infected by a culture around it that needed love, uh, but they were wrestling and fighting and struggling, and Paul's laid out in the chapter before uh, about spiritual gifts. And how God's given these to the church for the blessing of the church and the, the community around it. But they'd got hung up on the gifts and they're thinking one gift's better than another gift. And Paul levels the playing field and he says, the gifts are good, they're very important, but let me tell you about the most excellent way. Let me tell you about something's better than any gift or talent or skill or ability or personality. I want to tell you about agape love, Paul says. And in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, Paul says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing or I profit nothing. There's no benefit. Um, it, 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 what Paul's driving home here is quite simply the supremacy 
of agape love. The overarching rule, coolness, power, blessing, strength of agape love is better than anything else that the world has ever seen. And it's a love that starts from him and gets poured out on people. And here's what it starts to look like. Uh, this, is, this is now pulling out the suspension and going, okay, what, what does make this so great? And looking under the hood, what makes this so special and spe- so spectacular? And he starts to unpack these elements of uh, godly love. And as we, as we look at this, I want, I want you to keep two things in mind. What you're going to look at here are always descriptors, first, of God himself. When you see these descriptions come up, remind yourself that the, the God of love, these are qualities and characteristics that he best possesses and displays. But then second, keep in mind that now this is the type of love that we are supposed to exhibit and show to other people. He loves us. We're supposed to love people in this manner. And so he describes it this way in verse 4. Agape is patient. Agape love is kind. A lot of these don't need a whole lot of explanation. Patient and kind go together, don't they? As do impatient and mean. And he's saying love is long-suffering. Love is, is considerate. Love is tender. Agape love is, is one that, that doesn't have its own desires and timeline at the forefront. Agape love is patient. Agape love is kind. It's, it's compassionate. It's, it's something that would draw you in closer rather than push you away. Remember, these are descriptors of our God, and they're supposed to be descriptors of Christians. And then he goes into a list of some things that that agape love isn't. And sometimes to define something, it's equally as helpful to find out what it isn't as it is uh, what it is. And so he says it does not envy Agape love does not envy. In other words, it doesn't have as as its focal point me. Envy, jealousy is about me and my desires being met when I get what you have or when I get what I don't have. And agape love says, no, we don't play that. Agape love says, I'm content with what I have and I'm happy when you get blessed. When I see other people get blessed, then that brings me joy. Uh, It does not envy. It does not boast. Agape love doesn't show off. Uh, Agape love doesn't give the appearance of love and withhold actual love. Agape love is motivated with a heart to see someone else benefit, not just look like They're doing the loving thing. The Oscars were last week. That's a big parade of a whole bunch of people that just want to give the appearance of, oh, look how loving and kind and generous and whatever we are. And some of them, it may be motivated by a sincere heart. We don't know, but a lot of it isn't. And agape love doesn't 
just give the appearance of love. It actually loves. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. Pride is just an inflated sense of self. I heard it said that there's the pride of of face, and that's just obnoxious. Uh, There's the pride of race, which is vulgar. But one of the worst of all prides is the pride of grace. It's a spiritual pride that that says, um, I'm, I'm on the in crowd, and so I'm better than you. You didn't earn your way into a relationship with Jesus. Were it not for the agape love of God through Jesus, you'd be lost just like me. And so I didn't do anything of my smarts or figuring this thing out to become a Christian or to be in right standing with God. That's no source of pride for me. Love is is not proud from God's perspective. It does not dishonor others. It's not rude. Agape love has manners. Remember what those are? Rewind the clock to about 1950 and you can get a glimpse of what manners were. Um, Agape love is not rude. It seeks to honor people and to, to reduce friction in relationships, not add to it. That's what agape love does. It doesn't dishonor. It is not self-seeking. That would be the exact opposite definition of agape love. Godly love. But that's a tough one. Just stop for just a second and consider, I mean, how many things are motivated throughout your week seeking your own pleasure, your own protection, your own satisfaction, looking out for number one rather than someone else. Agape love, Christians, is one that is not self-seeking. It's self-sacrificing. It does not dishonor. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Agape love uh, doesn't have a short fuse. Agape love has an ability to tolerate the, the, the weaknesses of other people, the struggles of other people, the, the temptations of other people, the humanity of other people, the brokenness of other people, and not immediately express itself, flash fire in anger and hostility. It's patient and kind. It keeps no record of wrongs. Oh, man, we could preach a whole year long on that one. It keeps no record of wrongs. Uh, It doesn't keep score. Oh, yeah, I did that to you. Well, you remember what you did to me and how many times you did that to me? There's no way I'm forgiving you. Or I said I forgave you. About two years ago, but the minute we start to talk about stuff again, I can recite every single thing and how many times and the exact place and how you looked when you said that. I mean, you're keeping a record of wrongs. Uh, Forgiveness is huge in agape love. It keeps no record 
of wrongs. It sounds an awful lot like Jesus to me, who didn't hold our, our sins against us, rather stepped in and wiped them clean. Now, some of you have, have some forgiveness that you need to extend to people in your own heart of hearts. You've kept the record of wrongs. You've probably kept the record of rights. And until that person measures up to your amount of rights, if not more than your rights, then you're not going to call it even. And that's a moment for you to process what's agape love doing in my heart of hearts? That might be the most challenging way that you would extend agape love to someone else is to wipe the slate clean. Now, I know some of you have been through hideous, awful things, legitimately abusive, gross, disgusting things at the hand of someone else, just like Jesus. And you can forgive someone, and yet that does not mean you should go back into a relationship with him that you put yourself in proximity where you're going to let that happen all over again. But you can release them to the Lord. You can say, Lord, you're the one that holds justice. I don't need to deal with this. I forgive them just as you forgave me. That may take a while. But that's agape love at work. Keeps no record of wrongs. And then last year, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. And that's big. Love... Agape love, it doesn't delight in evil. Uh, love is not love uh, by how anybody wants to define it. There are some things that people do in the name of love that is incredibly hurtful to someone else in the long run. And agape love would never do that to somebody. Uh, love, agape love, godly love, uh, doesn't do things that lead people to evil. It, it doesn't do things that celebrates the evil that other people do. And in fact, to round out the definition then of love, it, it really helps us because sometimes, as difficult as it is, sometimes the most agape loving thing that we could do to someone is to speak truth in what? Love. Don't just speak truth. Truth and agape love, that's a very powerful com combination. When you speak the truth into a situation, it's saying, I love you enough because I know where this is headed. It's like if you were driving down a road, a twisty mountain road, and you came around a corner to discover that the road was out. I mean, a big sinkhole, the whole road had just collapsed out. And in panic, you step on the brakes and skid to a halt right up to the, the front tires of your car, right over the edge. And you stop and you're whew, that was close. You know now the, the truth about this road. And so it would make sense then that you would get up out of your car and you'd go a couple miles back up the road, right? And you would start to tell people, hey, slow down. Uh, the, the road is out up ahead. And don't keep going at the pace that you're going because this is going to kill you if you continue to go. The road is out. Stop. That would be the agape loving thing to do. 
It would not be love to know that the road is out up ahead and go back a couple miles up the road and, and just flag people down and, and they go, what's, what's the matter? Oh, nothing. I just wanted to give you a cup of water. You thirsty? Oh, yeah, thanks. It's Mountain Dew. They're not even water. Cool. That's a sweet. And then, I hope they didn't drive off the road. I, you know, no thanks to me if they did or didn't, but. And he wraps up uh, the, the, the working definition of agape love with just a handful of more things that, that godly love is. And it always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. Love, agape love, outlives everything. Agape love is permanent. It's going to press on for eternity. And so to, to receive that sort of love is the starting point. And then just to be used of God as Christians to love in that capacity. Love in a way that is, is, is always hopeful and always perseverant and always protecting the other. And this is the type of love that God's given us and the type of love that he's called us to give uh, to other people. God is the one who is able to pull this off always. I'm lucky if I can do this sometimes. But I'm praying for more. I'm praying that God would take more ground in my heart and in my actions as a Christian to live and love like God's loved me. I can't do it without him. And you can't either. This is impossible apart from God, to love at this capacity, especially always. But the more that I walk with him and the more that I receive and experience and understand that's the love that he has for me, whoo! Okay. Now it helps me figure out when I'm dealing with this person in line somewhere. Okay, I'm going to agape this person. Oh, when things don't go my way, how do I agape the people involved? In my marriage, how do I agape my wife better? In my friendships, in my parenting, how do I do this? I, I, I look to God. I look to Jesus. Because if you double back and you put that, the, the slide up with all those verses on there, but substitute the name of Jesus here. This works just as well. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy. Jesus does not boast. Jesus is not proud. Jesus does not dishonor others. Jesus is not self-seeking. Jesus is not easily angered. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Jesus always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Jesus never fails. And if you've struggled at all with understanding how God loves you, 
if you've heard that he does, well, here's a good definition. Here's a good start. But now, keep looking at that. But now, now think, okay, now God's called me as a Christian to love in the same manner that he has loved me. Now substitute your name for the name of Jesus there. Ron is patient. Ron is kind. I don't know. And go down the list with your name. Is it close? Is it far-fetched? Are there a couple maybe that he's ID'd to say, you've got a part of me to receive my love in this way in your life? understand about me and that'll probably grow up the area in your life that you're struggling with. It's a love issue. And so let him love you. Let the truth of his love wash over you as it's described here. And then pray that he would empower you to love people like that. And so Father, I thank you so much for everybody that's here. I thank you that you care so much for us that you have loved us with this everlasting love, that this type of love is supreme, it is overall, it is top-notch, that outside of, of you and your word, it's virtually impossible to put into defining terms agape love. We have to look to you first. And I thank you that you are patient with us and kind with us and that you you are not envious, boastful, or proud. That you're not rude. You're not self-seeking. You're not easily angered. I thank you that you keep no record of our wrongs. I thank you that you love the truth. And I thank you, Father, that you always protect and trust and hope and persevere. I thank you that you never fail in your love for us. Now make us Christians that day by day love everyone always in the manner that you have loved us. In Jesus' name.